Dead Headspace. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and all other major platforms. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And today we're talking with Matt Corley and Harper. Hello, guys. Hello. Normally, uh, we ask what got you into horror, but I think we're going to ask what got Harper's Tale started. We can start there. That's a great idea. We can still talk scary it stuff later, too. Harper. Harper. Oh, yeah, you're not off the hook, Matt. You're going to have to tell us what got you into horror at some point. But I think we <laughs> we, we definitely want to hear about the genesis of Harper's Tale to begin. Yep. But let's talk about... Hadn't you just finished, like, writing a book? I was writing... Or just started or something. No, I just finished two, actually. Okay. Yeah, I finished one for Sandy and one for Wolfgang. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about it. So, well, let's talk about first. So what what happened? Um, like what really? What happened first? Uh, when when uh I I started feeling like really weak and stuff, and so we went to the hospital after a while, and I got diagnosed with um leukemia, and then we got admitted, and uh <laughs> they and they and then we had some really fun nurses and stuff. And, and um, we had some really fun nurses and stuff. And uh, then what did we do? I can't remember. That's okay. So, yeah, yeah so so last year, yeah, last year, actually, so in 2019. Um, a year and a half ago. Yeah, in the winter, heart just wasn't feeling good, crazy busy, active kid normally. I wasn't eating. Yeah, I mean, and so what happened was one of the days we were going to visit my partner and her boys, and I actually had to carry her across a parking lot. And my partner's a physician, and so she's like, you know what? We, we'd already taken Harpen, and they thought she might have the flu or something like that. And then, and then she's like, you know what? No, you really need to call and talk to your pediatrician again. And so we got a chance to talk to our, our pediatrician, not the on-call one. And she sent us to a close hospital. We went in and blood work and found out that Harp had leukemia. And so that afternoon, we went to Children's Hospital um, downtown. We were admitted on February 2nd. And we were there for, I don't, did we, were we there four weeks or was it like? It was four weeks, definitely. Was it like four weeks? It was definitely I think it was four weeks. Um, and it was, it was tough at times. And they had, this, they made me go on this medicine that sucked and made me all, always hungry, and it sucked. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it gave me pimples. It did, actually. So, you know, Ooh. there were lots of different things that we were, like, working on. And, you know, I'd already written a couple of, um, like, RPG books, D&D books, actually. And it was funny because I'm sitting there and I was talking to my friend Ben McFarlane, who's another designer, and a couple were like, well, let's do, like, maybe a little adventure or something like that. Um and something else I saw, too, at the same time is Joe Manganiello, who is kind of all over. Um, he was like on True Blood is like out of that scary thing. He was Alcee. Um, he's on Magic Mike. His wife is Sofia Vergara. I mean, Joe seems like a really, really nice guy from what I've heard. And um, Joe is a huge, crazy D&D fan, like crazy D&D fan. He like converted the wine cellar they have in their like amazing house into this like dungeon thing and he's from pittsburgh and he went to children's at pittsburgh and played games played D for kids there and so i just thought about it you know i mean harper's stuck in a chair or you know she's in the bed i mean she was in I the bed playing D&D. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so the kids are, I mean, she's in the bed, other kids in the beds, and we just started talking about it and like, well, let's just figure out something. And, you know, we really just kind of did it in bits and pieces, um, of kind of creating a, like an outline, you know, she created a lot of the outline. Um, and then the friends of ours, you know, other writers kind of fleshed it out, but you know, Harper did some art you did. What else did you do? I did writing. Mm -hmm. I did like um, 800 words, I think. Yeah. So she did the 800 word short story in the front. We had it edited and everything. Of course, I paid her three cents a word because it was her first <laughs> professional gig. So she doesn't nice. get pro rates yet, <laughs> but she did get three cents. And she's work. working her way up to pro rates. She's hey, that's more than anything I've made on a <laughs> <laughs> So tell, tell us a little bit about what you remember. Because I know you haven't even read it or done any of it in a long time. Um, I remember about like the book. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember like at the beginning that uh, I had just like started getting like really, really into drawing. And I was still in the, and I was like, and we, and I was still in second grade and I wasn't really that good at drawings. Um, but once we, I got in like started third, third grade, um, I started working on more art and piece and pieces in the book and stuff. And, um, we, and every time like a new art piece would come in, my dad would like call me into like his office and then we would look at it and, um, and like I, and then I made, in one time I got really mad at my dad. And so I made this character. I asked him what his middle name was and I made a character. It was based off of like the character Moana, the bad guy. And it, but it was made out of a tree instead of like lava. And then, and then I named it after my dad and I, cause I was super <laughs> mad at him. Yep. So I'm the bad guy in the short story. <laughs> that, that's, you know. Even more than professional rates, there is, you know, your your burgeoning like professional writer is taking, you know, real life villains and working them into <laughs> fantastic villains. Perfect. Perfect. In my journal right now, I'm doing these like characters and it's basically based off of kind of like an avatar, the last airbender, like all the different characters. But instead, they're kind of like different elements. And um, basic and one of them's a lot like one of the characters and it's. Basically, like this girl who can control water, and her name's Yue, named after after the princess in Avatar Yue, which means um, moon in Japanese, I think. And so I named, and then I basically just changed the backstory, background story, and the art, and then I, and, and then all the characters are basically based off of someone in like the show that I really liked. Yeah, very so cool. Yeah, so one of the things that we did a lot of, and I think that was one of the, what kind of surprised some folks, is kind of the way, the process of it. Um, you know, Harper did a lot of the campaign, I like the basic outline of there's, so in the book, you know, there there's a disease that's going through the forest. And it's moving from village to village. And the characters, you know, that play the game are there to try to undercover, understand why it's happening. And then once they do that, cure it and stop it. Um, and when we did it, we actually did a lot of stuff that we, a lot of Easter eggs, some of which probably won't make sense to people until they, well, until I say it maybe, but you know, we basically set it up where someone's loved one is hurt and sick and that person actually kind of goes bad because they're doing anything they can to find the cure. And so they're actually experimenting on people, making them feel sick with medicine. 
So there's kind of a chemotherapy thing where, you know, you take the medicine and it's there to help you, but it really sucks. I mean, there's nothing fun about it. Um, and even like trials where, you know what, you try it on people that are healthy, see how they react. I mean, and so we kind of did that sort of thing. Um, there's even a couple others, like a lot of the chemo. One of the things that she was made, uh, has been on before, um, is actually they're plant-based. Um, you know, there's stuff based on like red fungus and a couple other plants, etoposide and then Christine and stuff. And they're in there and you actually have to find these ingredients in the forest in a certain way. Um, we do have zoogs in there. Um, we have, I don't know what a zoog is. Oh, zoogs are so cool. They're the little rat things with the tentacle mouths. Oh, those things. Yeah, those are so cool. Um, some dreamlands and there's some talking cats, of course, like cats of Volthar. Um, <laughs> there's a, actually, there's a ling spider. I mean, so we threw in some, I mean, so the other thing was kind of funny. is like, so me, of course, and Ben and Brian, so a couple of the guys, we tend to write harder, more kind of dark type games anyway. And this is very much a fairy tale. I mean, this is not, this is a investigation. It's like what I like to write. Yep. Fairy tales. I like, <laughs> like, um, one time at school, I spent like a month or two, um, cause we were doing these fairy adaptations and I made this really cool version of Cinderella, but it was basically in modern times. And instead of her being like, uh, her being like with her evil stepmothers and stuff, she got fired from her job at a modeling agency and then she like loses everything. And then it like reminds her of how her mom, and then there was like a background story on how her mom died and how she had these earrings that were the last thing that she got from her. And then at basically at the end, her, her, she went to this ball, like big party. And then, and then she got, and then instead of like having a prince or anything, it was her getting, a new um, contract to another modeling agency. <laughs> That's wow. brilliant, though, Harper. I mean, That's so awesome. much of modern uh, storytelling is taking something classic, taking something well-known and loved, and putting um, a modern spin on it, and that sounds exactly called, what that is. It was called Ella in the New Job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like so the... It, it was go ahead, Patrick. Sorry. I was just gonna say I like the name she picks. I like how it's different for me anyways. I mean maybe you're like, that's not different, but I I don't know. It, to me it's a different name for the two characters I've heard you mention so far. Um I just saw because I, I remember that when your dad posted a picture of a map that was based off of uh the village of Grove. And he was super pumped and what dad wouldn't be. And I'm looking at him like, this is so cool. There was this video game I played. Uh, it's called Ragnarok. It was this 2D kind of like Pokemon online. Uh, I think it was Japanese based. It was Asian based game. And it was just neat villages like this. It was fantasy. You could, uh, you know, fight characters, bad guys, collect weapons. And this, this map is reminding me of that, and I want to play a game in that world. <laughs> I, um, like, uh, when I was really, like, little, like, in kindergarten, my dad got me a fairy tale book that was actually the Grimm's Tales, like, the Grimm Brothers Tales. The real one. didn't know. The real one, so, yeah. Oh! It was, like, an 80s one. It was a, it was, no, it was a Lego. No, I, it was Lego one. Oh, you're right. <laughs> the was, Lego version yeah, was, was Lego actually version. pretty accurate. And it was pretty cool, Whoa, but, like, what? and... 
So yeah. all my friends were like doing these out of like little fairy tale books that they find in the classroom, and I was doing it based off of like actual like the Grim Tale. And so like you know her, the tree that was planted that's supposed to symbolize her mother in the Cinderella book mm-hmm. that was supposed to symbolize um that's what the earrings are. Those are because uh, they're like good luck for her. Very cool. Very um, cool. And then her boss is like a fairy godmother because she lends her just the right amount of money to get the her favorite, like the most pretty dress and, and stuff mm-hmm. to go to the, her party. And that's like her fairy godmother, which is also kind of like the uh, tree in a way because that's, <laughs> I don't know. It was like a mix of like the fairy godmother one and then like the grim tale because like, and then it was, I don't and then it was adapted. So it was really fun to pick. It it was lots of fun doing a lot of the stuff. Like the artwork actually was came together incredibly well. We got some fantastic artists, Um, and Harper did a lot with the art. Like you know, I would help with the art brief and write it out, and then every single piece of art in that book was approved by Harper. Um, Every it took a couple tries to get my character right. It did take awesome. a couple to get your so, because we had she got a haircut during the whole process and she got the side shave and so I forgot to tell the artist so the artist was super excited when I asked her to redo the face uh, <laughs> the hair after but she did it Anna was awesome she was that was one of the ladies Anna Landon did it but it's fun because Harper actually so like you know the other stuff that I write and do is 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 more horror based of course you know like the whispers RPG and then. The Devil City, which Sarah and I did, and then even John's book, um, uh, Blood and Brimstone. And Harper always still sees my art. Even the art in Blood and Brimstone. I like the creepy art. Even the art in uh, The Devil City. So, so far. Isn't it Devil Cities where I helped him pick and where I like helped you pick out like which um, the the hands that was on fire with the teacup? Yes. From Francois (laughs) in the beginning. The tea. I know that's like pretty scary, actually, but. And like, and like spider guy and the spider guy yep. and then and I really and I was really oh, and Don Noble Don Noble did that spider yeah, guy yeah one of the spider guys oh, oh Sam Noble. Yeah, Don, Don is amazing Don does great great work for really sure that, that watercolor picture on the back I think it is where it's like Daniel. a guy so that's oh, Daniel yeah. Sarah another amazing artist yeah. Yeah. Love Daniel so yeah I've got a couple pieces but from I, Daniel I love watercolor it's like so pretty yeah she's Can got I, a good t- can, can I show you guys my tattoo real quick? Audio listeners won't. It does go along with this. It's watercolor. Audio listeners won't. Oh, no. See this. <laughs> no, it's nothing inappropriate. I promise. <laughs> can, can you see this? Hold up. Oh, that's cool. The bear. Yeah. So see how the bear has a heart in it? Yeah. Yep. That was the one year anniversary of me and my wife's wedding anniversary. I'm her honey bear. Uh, she's my honeybee. Don't care how cliche that sounds, but uh, I got a bear that represented me, which is just a bear that looks like he wants to be a Winnie the Pooh and not hurt anyone and just uh, eat honey and uh, and have a big heart on his uh, chest. So moving on to one picture that is so cool, and it's I don't know if you guys went to do this, but I see Harper signing her hardback um, copies, and she's wearing the same dress that she's wearing now, which is is very cool. Pretty much, she is actually. Wait, what? The mom's friend. Remember when your mom's friend? She wrote. She did the. You've got the overalls in the Harper's Harper the Brave. You don't remember the picture that you signed two hundred times? The picture that I signed. Yeah. Oh. 
<laughs> She's like, so times. many times. Honestly, it's just like, so many fans. It's, it's you can't be expected to know the details. I got this. I got this like this year, but like it is the same outfit though. It's, it's denim. practically the same. It is. I mean, it's not really. It's not really overalls because you don't wear something. But it looks under. like overalls. It looks like overalls. Yeah, it looks like overalls. Wait, you have more than one of those? Huh? You know what we have? We outgrow them. I outgrow my overalls very quickly. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, after a year, they're out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bad news, I, Patrick. I Your uh, nine-month-old is going to get bigger. Um, <laughs> I, I hope my, my nine-month-old... My shoe size is already women's eight. He's on. And yeah. Lily's is ten. Dude, I hope my kid turns out like her. She's so friggin'... You're so cool, Harper. Like, you, you just said... You're like, I like creepy stuff. Your dad gets you a great... Like, a series of Grimm books for, your, for when you're that young. Like, that is so cool. Like... Most of, of the books I couldn't, most of the stories I couldn't go through, and I almost brought it in for um, show and tell one time, <laughs> but I showed it to my dad right before, so we didn't bring it in. That's probably good. But, um, <laughs> so most of them I couldn't rot, like read, but um, I did read the Cinderella part where they cut off their ankles and stuff was kind of creepy. Like the the stepsisters, like they cut off their toes and ankles to, yeah, fit, in to the fit in the shoe. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot so of the think, uh, Disney adapted films are like Beauty and the Beast. Like Beauty and the Beast was written, I think, in the 1700s, and they're it's horror. Like Disney yeah. adopted. I don't think people realize that that is the horror genre, which is why it's the best genre ever. <laughs> Disney's yeah, horror. Yeah, it's pretty. Pretty big, yeah, pretty yeah. badly. Snow White and Aurora were also pretty adapted, and then there was also Pocahontas because mm-hmm. that was based off of a real story. Yeah, that wasn't a very cheerful story. Not at uh, all. You know, based off of the America I know, with how natives are treated, still, I'd say that's a pretty accurate statement, Matt. <laughs> fits into that, you know, semi-horror genre. Yeah. yeah. So basically, they like. They like, I think they took her as like a ten year old. I think. She was or no, young. No, she was like thirteen, maybe. I thought she was twelve, but yeah. Maybe. I thought, yeah, maybe twelve. She was young, but Too they young. took her into like England or something, to to and got her married so that and so that they could tell everybody that they tamed the savages yeah. or whatever. And it was messed up. That is messed up. <laughs> I I hear a lot of like the, I I heard a lot of the real stories on like line and stuff. Mm-hmm. Harper's smarter than a lot of adults I know. <laughs> you know, it's kind of crazy. I'm not they're, joking. They're, they're, I'm not no, joking. I feel like the kids, I mean, all the kids seem to know. Cert, I mean, there's definitely certain things they're much more aware of than I was or we were when we were that age. And, and I mean, much more, maybe worldly. Maybe that's the right way to say it. They're definitely more worldly and less naive about a lot of things, which is good and bad, I guess. But yep. um, yeah, they definitely know more. It's nice to think, at least, or hope that um you know they're gonna be more sympathetic towards a lot of things that i mean i wasn't aware of as a kid uh as far as different types of you know sexes or uh you know lgbtq plus community i didn't know much about that growing up i didn't know that until last year but but you're but you were I think it might have been first grade, but me and Avery, me and Avery both found it out through um, a art app called Pixar. Hmm. 
and it was like where you would edit art pieces and then and then that's and then the and then once Pride Month came along we saw these things and we're like, What's this? And then we started looking it up. Well that's, that's kinda of the point of it actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that gives me hope and it makes me <laughs> Hope that my little boy ends up, you know, curious about that stuff, and may- maybe it shouldn't even be a question when the time he he's your age, and I hope it isn't. Um, but Pride Month is pretty awesome. Uh, I don't know if you've guys been to a parade in St. Louis, but uh, I always wanted to go to like watch did, one. Of you the didn't parades. go last year. No, we didn't go. Oh, we couldn't have obviously the last two years because obviously this year was thing and uh, the whole the the play. And then last year we were in the hospital. Yeah. Or you weren't allowed to but go to parades and stuff. I thought Lily went the year before, maybe. No, Lily's never went. She hasn't gone we, that we, year? I thought she did. I don't I thought she did. The only time I've gone was in Providence, and I was so moved that I was, I pretty much, like, cried tears <laughs> of joy. It was so, everyone's happy, everyone's there for the right reason. There were no jerks that I saw. The only incident was a friend of a friend got too drunk that she. She was standing up wobbling next to my wife, uh, and my wife's like, you got to sit down and drink water. She's like, oh, okay. And then her glasses were all askew on her face. But we're getting off track here. Let's go back to heart. <laughs> and that's the worst thing that happens. Yeah, you know what? I want to point out, I, I have two uh, kind of takeaways as far as uh, we're going back like 10 minutes now, but as far as the <laughs> plot and the gameplay of Harper's Tale. And the first is with the, with the whole idea of there is a disease running rampant through the forest and it's your job to not only stop it, but to figure it out. Do I have that right or am I messing it up? Oh, that's it. Yeah, you need to okay. stop it and figure it out. Lily, I, Lily, my sister, is um supposed to be... Um, one of the nurses. Her name's Grace in the in the book, and my name's Rose in the book. And because those are our middle names, and so um, and it, doesn't she like stay back and like take care of all the people? Yeah. Because Lily wants to be like a nurse or a doctor when she grows up. She wants to be like someone that works. She, in does, she does oncology. not want to be a doctor. She doesn't want to be a doctor. So she doesn't want to be a doctor or a pharmacist. Because I'm a pharmacist. My ex is a pharmacist. My girlfriend's a physician. And Lily's like, no. But I'll be a nurse. She's like, I have no interest in being any of the others, but I will totally be. No, nurse. she wants to be a, a oncology yeah. oncology nurse. At, at children. That's a calling. Yeah. She's got a specific, a very specific uh, <laughs> yeah. path she would like to do, which she, I couldn't be prouder. She also refuses to call like the children's specialty care clinic, saying I'm a joke. CSCC. She refuses to say the last C. She says CSC and not CSCC okay. when that's it. <laughs> I wanted to play third base for the Red Sox when I was that age, but <laughs> I wanted to be <laughs> I, I wanted to be on the South Boston Celtics yeah. to be the next Larry Bird, man. I want to be a chef. Yeah. Aw. Yeah, she comes. I want to run a restaurant, but I don't want to go to like culinary school because I want I want to go kind of like to business school because I want to go to school with my friend. April. So what what do you want to uh, what do you like to cook? Um, a lot of stuff. I just don't like to bake because baking's boring. Well, you have to do measurements. Yeah, give Patrick two examples. I like to cook. Like I cook a lot of like. Sometimes I cook like steak or chicken. I I've cooked this really good chicken where basically you um it's like stuffed with mozzarella and then there's this ricotta ch- sauce on top and then you serve it with Brussels sprouts and spinach and it's super good. Ooh, that does sound good. Yeah, she's making sushi rice this week. Yeah, it's. You went through it. You went through like a 
bag of sushi rice in three days. Um, <laughs> so we've had rice with every meal. Do you guys have the sweet potato roll um, sushi? Uh, what's it called? I forget the name of it. It's just like sweet potato uh, little pieces in a sushi roll. Oh, we haven't had that. I don't know, maybe. That might be good. I'm not the biggest fan of sweet potatoes. So in the hospital, though, there's sushi places because it's downtown or it's in one of the areas of the city of St. Louis. And um, I also got lobster one night and ate so much I threw up. Yes. <laughs> yes. And my mom had to catch it in her hands. Ew, oh. Yes. <laughs> uh, we, we explored DoorDash a lot at the hospital because the hospital would give you food 24-7, and it was not that bad, but her taste buds are so weird, especially awesome. then, and they still are. They had, right. like, but. gluten-free, everything-free pasta, and it was disgusting. Uh-oh. The chef knows what she wants. Yeah, yeah, the hospital pasta wasn't that good. But, yeah, no, but there's a great sushi place, like, right down the street. So, yeah, lots, of, lots of money, lots of money spent on, on Somebody takeout. Somebody gave us a $100 gift card to that sushi place, mm-hmm. one yep. of your friends. Yeah, it's my friends, yep. Um, uh, we, we, we went to this place called Evangeline's, and that's where I found my love for crab legs. Yep. Oh, it's, yes. <laughs> I love Snow crab, crab legs. legs. Yes. yes. They're the best. Actually, no, were they, were they king crab? No, or? they were snow crab. I thought they were snow crab. I got like a blue like crab fist yeah. at first, but it was really gross. But I ate, but there, it came with a single crab leg. So I ate the crab leg and it was really good. So then for dessert, instead of getting like cake like my sister did, I got crab legs. <laughs> she, has divine, she has divine taste. Grim Brothers and crab legs. <laughs> crab I legs do wish dessert. my kids would eat as diversely as you. <laughs> Yeah, they've been eating sushi since well, they I'm, were a year old. Well, actually, I'm pretty wow. picky. I'm pretty She's picky of an eater. Sometimes. But you are adventurous. I think that's what <laughs> I'm adventurous. Yes. I've tried yes. snails before. Oh, my God. So good. I, I, I was I was really old. I was like four or five. Perfect. So I don't remember how they taste, but I I knew I didn't like them. But we're we're going on a trip once I finish, I'm pretty sure. Yes, ma'am. To um around like Europe and stuff, and I'm a, and once we go to Paris, and when we go to Paris, I'm gonna try some new some more escargot. Cool. Oh yeah. So <laughs> so with Harper's Tale, every so everybody worked either for free or at a discount, and or gave like part of their um pay or whatever you want to call it to Friends of Kids with Cancer. Nice. And I just so I donated all of my time to do all these stuff that I did with it. Um. And we donated. So we had an Indiegogo fund because Kickstarter doesn't let you do um, non-for-profit charities. Um, boo, Kickstarter. But we did the IGG, and I think we raised, I don't know, 23 grand or something like that. Um, we wrote them a check and for about 10 grand, and then we also printed 170 books or so, which we gave them. And then they gave me back some to sell as an additional fundraiser, which... You guys probably saw that, I'm sure. Is So we have mm-hmm. some very, very fun, very nice um, people in the RPG nerd community that are very, very influential. And three of them um, actually saw it and retweeted it. Matt Mercer, uh, Liam O'Brien, and Felicia Day. And like Felicia Day is from like Supernatural yeah. is one what I remember because she was Charlie. Oh, wait, wait, wait real quick. A lot of stuff. But. Felicia Day, the first time I saw her, I think you'd appreciate this, Matt. Sorry to interrupt, but <laughs> the first uh, show I saw her on was on a web series called uh, The Guild. Have you yes. seen that? 
I yeah, love Will Wheaton's on that, dude. Yeah. He that is such a good show. I don't hear yeah, anyone so, talking about that. She was so sweet. She like tweeted it and commented a couple times about it. And I mean, we she, sold a hundred copies nice. in six hours. Wow. Which for a forty-five dollar book is, I mean, is not super easy. Dude, I was thinking I was going to have those books on my basement for two years. Um, so it was really nice to have those get it and write another check to friends of kids. And so I think all said and done, we gave them about, I'm trying to figure out if it was 10 or $12,000 in cash That's and of amazing. course the books and all that stuff too. So they were super excited. They are such a great local organization too. And, uh, it was, it was fun. It was a good thing. Um, yes, for ma'am. Pedal the Cause this year, I want to really get, I really want to get into like the $1,500 range, whoever has like the $1,200 range right now. Why? Because I, because it gets you like super cool stuff. You've got stuff. <laughs> no, I want to so get the, the, we do, we do, so we do Friends of Kids with Cancer Who's Local to here and it's, they literally do kind of what it sounds like. And they take care of, they give kids stuff, like toys and all that stuff. They help families, too, like gas and groceries and that sort they of stuff. They have a they toy it. miniature warehouse. But we also do a lot with Pedal the Cause, which is another local charity, but they are 100% research-based, or they are completely funded by Edward Jones. And um, but 30% we do... of all of the money goes to child cancer research, and then the rest of it goes to just regular cancer. I know. And the first time I said that, I'm like, well, that's not good. It should be 50-50, but I didn't realize it at the time, and I should, considering what I do. But um, most research organizations, actually, the kids, the pediatrics only gets 10-ish teens percentage. And Pedal Pedal's actually generated, do you remember how much money? It's like $300 it's, million I, or something like that? Um, oh, a lot. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like... <laughs> It's big kid money is like kind of what I, I mean. It's like nine figures in research wow. money, and they've actually funded research they that saves it, lives they regularly. Said it at the kickoff Zoom, I know. But so we we do stuff for them too. But that's something else, wanna, and that's what she wants. She wants to get enough money to get some really cool socks. Actually, is what it is. Some cool. Sure. Wait, what are on these socks? I got it. That's what it is. She gets socks if we hit if we hit it, and, and I think we got a grant from my company, so I think she'll be fine. What no. what it what is it about these socks though? No. Not socks. You get They're like cool. a party at Fitz's, and like you get um, get you get rock and jump or or sky jump or whatever. Uh, you get that like a pass, a party or something, and then you get like all these, <laughs> and then you get all this cool stuff. But I really want to get to the thousand five hundred stuff. So as you can see, this is how she she's probably going to talk to the lady over there and take money from mine and put it into her account. <laughs> No, Stacy, do... she would do that for Harper because everybody knows Harper. Harper was like their <laughs> ambassador last year. Um, as you can tell, she's no, super shy, and so she's very shy. Yes, no, does not like talking about herself at all. But before we <laughs> no, started recording, she wasn't talking much, and now she's like, "Dad, <laughs> stop." <laughs> It is your second. Yeah, she was. She's also with the lim, uh, was it? Lim, oh, Leukemia Lymphoma Society. That's this year. LLS. So, okay. Yeah, she's she's a celebrity. Dad, you know that um, it's super like, busy. Apparently, she is. <laughs> we found a super cool grocery store right by us, and um, it's an Asian grocery store. Oh yeah, the Chinese market. Super they great. had while you would walk out, they had one of the quarter LLS things. I oh, didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that. So you guys said, just real quick before I forget, because I just saw this new show uh, with Zac Efron. It's pretty cool, actually. It's called Down to Earth. Oh, my gosh. My mom is obsessed with it. 
For those that don't know what it is, it's a show where Zac Efron is actually trying to make a a conscious effort in being a better person, and uh, he goes to different countries, learns different things, and um, one of them is when he goes to France, he finds out in Paris, they have free water, like actual good, there's, it's crazy how much is involved with what is actually pure water, and not like the pure, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, pure water in the stores, which takes out the minerals, um, like actual, I shouldn't have said pure water in the first place, actual good water that's meant to be curing in some cases for your body, but pertaining to you guys in Paris, they got I think it's in the hundreds. They got an app where this one company um, has free water for everyone. Uh, they got di- little distribution. Um, they got these little places for your bottle or if you just want to put your mouth under the faucet. They also have other areas where they um, have uh, bubbled water. And it's all for free. Uh, they want every single person in that city, homeless, not homeless, you know, whatever, to have free water. And it's it's amazing. Like that's how the world should be. Why, why, why are we bottling water and and causing an insane amount of pollution of this one-time use plastic? It's just I'm going on a tangent, but it, I I hope that you guys run into that because there's a lot of cool things in Paris that I, I learned s- from that show. That is cool. I we'll saw, have to check that out. Um, this person came to my school one time, and he would he was talking about um just like to use the drinking fountains instead of bottled water because it takes out all the minerals and all the good stuff out of the water mm. and yeah. also like and also like juices with like 100 percent juice you know those bottled juices like apple juices and stuff they take out all the like good stuff and all the nut and, and then they just shoot it. sugar in it to yeah, it it's straight all sugar. sugar yep it's all sugar 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 <laughs> Yeah, I saw this one video that kind of relates to that, where this mom was like, this, this is how Americans make uh, tea, and she had a... Oh, I saw whole, that with, like, hanging sh- and stuff. And I'm thinking is, like, <laughs> I'm not giving... Tea. Yeah, my son, if I was... Look, I know we're all different, we raise our kids differently. My kid ain't having that. He's not going to get diabetes from one drink. <laughs> 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 that's what you're doing, lady. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Patrick, that's so easy to say when he's a baby. <laughs> that's true. I'm a very judgmental, jerky parent. <laughs> I'm new at this gig. <laughs> I, forget, I apologize. You guys go ahead. Talk away, please. I'm sorry for interrupting. No, she wanted me to give them. She wanted me to give her your addresses. And no, I said, we I'm can do that off air. That. I didn't <laughs> no, do that. Do it on the air for people that might not like me so they can I come to my home. Uh, they live in a different time zone. Yes, they're it's a little later there. I can tell you more specifically. Okay, mm-hmm. I like tea, and I get peach tea and Ooh, yes. or like passion flower tea, and um then I add like honey into it. Like I have this really good honey that my grandma gave me, and it's by these local people that she knows um that are honey farmers and stuff. That's why I didn't want you to use it on your stupid ham. What? <laughs> you made it. Oh, yeah. So- She's only got this much attitude. I gave, I gave him the schnooks, um, the schnook, the cheap, the cheap, the cheap honey. Yeah. And the, and but the honey that I use in my tea is really good. And my sister doesn't even like honey, and she says it tastes like bee barf, but I don't care. It is bee barf. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it actually <laughs> does taste like it. Well, then bee barf most tastes good. Exactly. It tastes like honey. And it works. It works just brilliantly in tea. So I mean, there, there we are, full circle. So. 
considering that we avoided the base question that we asked first-time guests is what got you into horror, I'd like to phrase it this way, and I'm being presumptuous with this with Harper, because I know Matt's answer is he does like horror, obviously, but Harper, do you like horror? And if so, what... Oh, I say I say it very weird. I have a, a strange accent from an unknown land called Boston, I think. Um, <laughs> and then I've got New Jersey eyes, and it's just, it's a mess. Yeah, like, my my voice is like, I don't know what I'm doing. Words are coming out. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on, like, what horror stuff. Because, like, I like, I sometimes like, like, creepy stuff, but I don't really like horror stuff. It kind of depends, right? It depends. Like Stranger Things. You like Stranger Things. You love Season 1. I love Season 1. Season 1 is fantastic. Season 2, it got a little bad. I don't even remember. You've watched more seasons than I have. And I've watched like three episodes, but like it was so like kind of like why did he lock Elle in his house? He was hiding her. I know, but like so you know, I don't like um, the Russian people. Uh, who likes Russians? Um, <laughs> well, at the moment so, we have no Russian listeners, and we're guaranteeing that we won't have any in the future. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it wasn't actually the Russians; it was actually the U.S. government. I think that was like no, they were the Russian scientists. We do have fans in Germany and France, so please watch what you say about those countries. Okay? I'm not saying sales, so it's I'm cool. About the, I'm talking about the Russian guy in in Stranger Things. In Stranger Things. He's yeah. just like he and he claims that he's Eleven's dad, dad, and the and Eleven calls her him her dad, but like he took her from her mom when she was a baby. Is there another? Creepy. Okay, so we've already established you liked the first episode of Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone a lot. Is that what I liked it. Oh, off air we did. Yes. One. You like Twilight Zone. The new Twilight Zones were good. Yeah. I need to get you to watch some of the old ones, but you I probably won't because they're black and white. But Wait, I don't like black and white. I love Adam's Family. Oh, the Adam's Family. Oh, Beetle- yeah. What about the monsters? Beetlejuice? Oh my gosh, I was... I Nightmare just, Before Christmas oh my gosh. or Nightmare Before Halloween? That's not even, that's great. But like, I, when I just said Beetlejuice, I just like thought in my, oh my mind, gosh. yeah. <laughs> so we've got the Adams Family, we've got Beetlejuice, we've got Stranger Things, we've got the absolutely horrifying elements of some of the like classic fairy tales. Harper, I think that's a yes, whether whether you know it or not. I growing into it. I did yeah. not like them that much when I was young at all. I liked the um that Halloween Town, I think it's what it's called. Oh, Halloween With Town. With Doug oh, Cameron, yes. and you would get the stamp the, on your that, hand, and then you'd turn into a clown. That's the Disney, some of the Disney scary <laughs> Halloween ones. I'm trying to get them to watch Goosebumps, but... I don't... I watched the first Goosebumps. I think that one had a bunch of, uh... That had the doll in it, I think. The I don't... No, the second work. one had the doll in it, too. The second one wasn't... Isn't that scary. No. I watched most of it. If Rich Duncan's oh. listening to this, uh, I bet he's going... Duh, Harper! Because he loves Goosebumps. <laughs> oh, hell, your Rich Duncan sounds like Nixon, too. That's I, I mean, Goosebumps, <laughs> Goosebumps books must not be that scary, because my teacher gets them for the kids in our class. Yep. There's a thousand of them. Yeah. She's they're, got, they're a gateway. They're a nice little gateway. They're, uh, they're, they're, I, I probably read them when I was your age, when I was sitting in a fourth grade classroom, uh, definitely reading away goosebumps and I've got them over on the shelf. My, my eight year old, my 10 year old read them now. So they are, could we call them times? There's this really good book. That's like a graveyard book 
or like it's a graphic novel, and it's based off of this girl who gets into a car crash, and her dad's a mad scientist. And so she basically was gonna die, but then her dad comes up with this like thing, basically where he takes the life out of somebody else and gives it to her, and then that last makes her live 13 more years. And they lived in a in a like a graveyard kind of like sealed off underground bunker thing, um, right by a boarding school. And they try, and it's been thir- 13 years, and these new girls come to the classes in the boarding school, and one of them was about to get taken, um, and, like, taken to him, and was about to get, like, killed, and then, um, and then, like, but the girl convinces her dad to, like, just not do it, and then she ends up, and then, and then she ends up dying. So... <laughs> You know the name. So, really? <laughs> so with the the graphic novels, so horror. So she read a little bit of the old ones and the sea, which is a really really cute. Like I was going to suggest that. Book. Um, we what? also the old one and the sea. Remember that one? Maybe, maybe not. Oh yeah, I do. And then there's also another one, Herbert West. It's a Herbert West. It's not Reanimator, but it's a Herbert West cartoon, uh, like graphic novel comic. And we were reading it together, and Harper just told me how much she just loved the art. And so I looked. Which was it? Uh, Thomas did it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That and one with the zombies? Yes. And so I looked at the artist. The artist is Thomas Boatwright. I loved that art. It was um, so And cool. I reached out to Thomas because I was doing The Devil City. Thomas did the cover. So the cover of The Devil City is actually from a comic book artist that does the Herbert West and the H.P. Lovecraft comics, like some of them. Oh, okay. Uh, and then actually, Thomas has done a bunch of work for me. He's fantastic. He's he's really really talented and really easy to work with. Um, but again, we, we kind of that's the thing that we've liked a lot is the art, and that even if she doesn't necessarily like the content or isn't ready for the content um, of some of the things that I write, she's good with the art. I mean, she actually even helped me with my asylum book um, with a lot of the oh, art I put in. Yeah, I like I like. Um, I love all like the the Suicide Squads and like the Harley Quinn. I really like Harley Quinn. Yep. she's like my favorite out of the DC characters. And um, so and like I really like her backstory on how she's like, um, she worked in an asylum and then she like became crazy and then she, by Joker's falling with, mm-hmm. by falling in love with the Joker. And I kind of like it was like a really cool. And I really want to watch Birds of Prey. Uh, <laughs> We'll see. Because it's, it came out on HBO like two days ago. The Joker's like the worst boyfriend ever. He's and not really in it. I know. No, she dumps him. I well, know. She, she I dumps she, her. But. Isn't she gonna go with Poison Ivy? <laughs> no, Poison Ivy isn't in it. It's the Birds of Prey characters. Uh, well, that's you know, good. He seems like he'd be a terrible boyfriend. I yeah. Uh, of the two of us, of me and Brennan, Poison I'm Ivy. clearly I'm clearly Poison. the more into superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only te- for those that don't get the reference. Uh, I'm only kidding. Brennan is obsessed with them. I am. I'm a big fan too. But do you guys like the Marvel, uh, the MCU? Do you guys watch any we've of these movies? We've watched most of the Marvel ones. So we've watched most of them, but we don't. I I've just don't watch TV hardly ever anymore. Endgame. Well, not Endgame. Infinity War. Did you watch Infinity that? War? You I watched, watched it with you. And we then, haven't seen the last one. We've seen the. Next I haven't last seen one. Endgame. I've heard on. I've heard. You should he watch dies. it because it's on Disney. I've heard he dies, but <laughs> everybody. Dies. Endgame to me wrapped up everything. I've not heard a bad thing about it. All like a lot of my it's friends. It's great. I don't know. Especially how 
interconnected they all are. I mean, there's what twenty movies or something like that. Over um, the storyline very connected. All yeah. of the boys in my class like were like, "Oh my god, ending End Game was so good," and then they just spoiled it. No. <laughs> that's boys. no good. Yeah, boys are the worst. <laughs> they spoil everything. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I won't talk about this for long because I absolutely could. Patrick is absolutely right, but um, I, I, I feel like they did a special thing with those movies, spanning them over, you know, the course of like twelve years, interconnecting all those threads. And I mean, I found with Endgame, like there were there were plot holes, there were problems with the with, you know, um, the way they executed everything, but you didn't care, um, necessarily as much as you might with another movie with the same problems because you were so invested in the character's journeys. You can, you're willing to suspend disbelief in certain portions. You're willing to overlook certain things, uh, because a character, you know, you've followed for the last 10 years has a satisfactory, you know, conclusion. You're happy with the way their, their, uh, thread wrapped up. Right. I hate yep. that the, Green girl, whatever her name is. Gamora? Gamora. I hate that Thanos killed Gamora, the only person he loved, to get one of those crystals. It was his daughter. I know. Yes. Actually, Thanos loves death. Yeah. <laughs> Deep cut there. Okay. How would he kill death? <laughs> exactly. How, would he just like be like, oh, yoo-hoo, Grim Reaper? That sounds so unfilmable that they would change it for the movies. <laughs> so, Matt, what got you into horror? <laughs> we're, we're, we're only almost 50 minutes in, and, uh, well, that's, uh, I feel like we should ask that before we end at some point. You know, it's, it's funny, and, like, from a, from a reading and just in general, I think it's a natural progression of stuff. Like, I used to love fantasy and even and science fiction stuff, um, fiction in general, and as I got older and experienced more things, good things, bad things, um, my tastes kind of switched and moved and migrated to something that's much more, in some cases it's weird because sometimes, you know, you feel like, you know, with a horror movie, I mean, there could be monsters everywhere, supernatural, but in some ways it's more realistic. It's more honest um, with how it treats the reader and how it treats the characters in it. Um, you know, it's not always a happy ending and I, you know, that really is what it is. And that's with my games, what I write and even, and even Harper's Tale, actually it's investigation. Um, it's, that's fun is learning and investigating. And I think that chillers, suspense, horrors, I think those are all actually very, very similar genres and you can go back and forth between them pretty easily. I mean, Laird is doing um, like noir now. And I mean, just everybody's moving all over the place because there's so much overlap and they're finding that everybody, I mean, even YA, you know, young adult readers are much more sophisticated than we really gave them credit for. Um, you know, it's a genre that didn't exist 20 years ago. And then when it did exist, we thought they were all reading, they were 10 year olds. And, right. you know, I just read um, haunted, which is fantastic horror, like haunted. It's a it's a haunted house story, and yes, there's like kind of teen angsty teen relationship stuff in it because it's a high school, um, but it's not over the top. It's very good, and the horror stuff in it and the haunted house stuff in it is like some of the grimmest stuff that I've ever read. And this is in a YA book, um, but really, again, to me, it's more. I, it it challenges me as a reader and just as a person, and even and especially as a writer to get myself into that headspace sometimes. Um, and it makes it just more interesting, you know, 
uh, like you know, like Crossroads, which I'm sure you guys have probably read already. That yeah. moral, uh, <laughs> a high tower, which you know, for me, that's probably one of the best novellas of the year. And that's saying that as somebody who's publishing a novella this year that I would also really like. Um, Laurel did something special there. And Alto, and I wrote the review fine, and I even told her this the other day. It's like, that book is not for a lot of people. But if you, if that's a book or that's the type of book you like to read, or if that's a book you can get yourself through, I mean, she put her heart and soul in that book. And I don't know that I read anything more honest. At least it felt like it was honest to me. I mean, if that's not honest, she's the best actress in the world. Yeah. Uh, and I already know she's a very, very good and very talented writer. Uh, but again, that's a book that there's nothing. Ha- I mean, it's not happy, but it's fantastic. And it even reminded me of S.P. Miskowski, who her Skalut books are pretty grim. Uh, they're also some of the best books I've ever read. And I love them. And they take I have to do it in pieces. I even told Laurel that I was I'd message her. I'm like, all right, well, I managed two chapters today. Uh, I'm going to try to read four tomorrow. Um, you know, a book that that short, it still took me about a week to get through it um, because of, of how I did it. But again, it, it kept challenging me. It kept me making me face things that, that you know, other books that I read really, really didn't, uh, especially, you know, especially stuff that I read even 15 years ago. I, my favorite book is The City of Ember books. Those are, Ooh, those are good. They take me a week to finish each, but there's four of them. And... Um, basically, it's about these people who, the, what, Lily? <laughs> you want to be on a podcast? Oh! <laughs> I have another daughter. She just doesn't like to this be on camera. One. I'm so confused. Okay, well, we're in the If you want to be in, you can, but if no, you don't, okay. Okay, all right, sweetie. We'll see you. Bye, Lily. That's about the third or fourth time that's happened where she's popped in, said, no, I don't want to be on camera, and popped back up. No. See, Harper, I would say that even fits into horror as well, because if my memory serves, like that's a it, it's like a, a town or a city or well, city because it's called city. And there's just like <laughs> horrifying darkness surrounding it on all sides. Yeah. Like, what's scarier than that? It, so basically, it's, it's supposed to be in the far, far future where humanity overpopulates like a lot. So they send around this war, these plagues, and basically only the survivors were the like last people of human. And they put 200 people into an underground city. And they were told that, and they each had a kid. They each were given a child. And they were told to never tell their child about the outside world or anything. And basically, they thought the sky was black the and if the lights ever if the generator ever stopped working then they would be in complete darkness forever and then and then uh basically at the end it had been after 400 years or i mean not 400 200 years there were 400 of them um 200 years and basically a box clicked open but it had been like 240 years and basically, um, after 200 years, they were supposed to open this box and then they would have instructions on how to get out of the city. But the box was lost. <laughs> and then, like, they had to, and then they had to escape and then they had to, like, rebuild civilization and it was super cool. Yep. You did like Major League spoilers for book one, by the way. <laughs> That's that okay. That book's been out in a long time. She cut it down and then she said, yeah. <laughs> But like it, only like the first book was kind of like 
the first book was kind of boring and I didn't know if I was going to like it because my class was reading it and I was like, and I really wasn't paying attention. And so I really didn't know if I was going to like it, but the second book was really good. And then like there was a third book, which was super good too. And it was like before all the plagues and stuff. And then there was the fourth book, which was an adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was, and so it was just really cool. That is pretty cool. Um, Matt, uh, just cause you said we got an hour, we could talk however you, however long. Uh, okay. okay. I would kick myself in the pants if at no point we talked about your book that you're publishing. So I don't know if we can get ta- you and Taff on before it comes out. So I, I want to cover at least a little bit here. Whatever you want to tell, yeah. tell us about, let us know. Yeah. So John and I, John Taff, uh, John FD Taff and I, um, <laughs> kind of started communicating on Twitter actually a few years, about a year and a half ago, I guess. Um, no, about a year ago. Um, when the fearing came out, you know, the four, the four serialized novels, which were so, or novellas, I guess, which were so good. And, and I'm reading them and enjoying them. And I'm just telling them I'm reading them and enjoying them just on Twitter. And, you know, it's such a wonderful, like, you know, the horror community is so small, especially the indie core, the indie portion that if you write down, like, yeah, I really liked your book, you're going to get like a comment. Somebody's going to be like, thank you. I appreciate that. Especially if you write a review, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's like gold. Um, so all of you out there, Write reviews, please, even if it's not for me or even if it's not that good, but just write reviews. We love them. Um, so, but anyway, so I kind of reached out to John about eventually somehow kind of moving the fearing universe into a game of some sort, into an RPG. Um, and that was when I was finishing up Harper's book and I don't know, doing two or three other books at the time. And we kind of, we, we did a few things, emails, and then we kind of fell off for a little bit while Sarah and I did the Devil City. Um, and then I did Horror in the Windy City. Um, to build up that RPG stuff. And we ended up talking again, though. And John John was all in. And as soon as I kind of asked him about it, you know, he's like, well, let me think about it. And then I think it got a few wheels turning in his head. And he's like, you know what? I really want to go back to that. Um, and I had requested maybe do something that's in the same timeline. Um, you know, something that's in that takes place within those four books that we've already all read, um, but off to the side. Because we were talking about, it, again, from a game perspective, if we were to do a game, what we'd want to do is we would want to do something that is a story that's parallel, you know, something that maybe tangents or maybe comes in eventually, but it could be a parallel story. And that's where I think that's where you ended up starting with Blood and Brimstone. And so Blood and Brimstone tells the story of Tam and Jacoby, um, who we meet in the third book and really get to know much better um, in the third and fourth book. Um, and they definitely become kind of a focal point um, towards the end of the story. Um, and in this novella that we're doing, it basically starts from their story from scratch. You know, you see when they meet each other and you see the things that get them to the place kind of mentally and emotionally and um, kind of psychically, like kind of what gets them there and kind of what creates the characters that you meet in the third fearing book. Um, I haven't gotten anybody to read them one, two, blood and brimstone, three, four yet. <laughs> I keep trying. Um so it's definitely meant to be read one, two, three, four, and then go to the one that we're printing up soon. Um, but you could do it chronologically too, and I think that would work as well. But it, it really goes into Tam and Jacoby, who are some really, really interesting characters that you know you kind of love to hate, and that's kind of where we got it off to. Um, and then, 
again, I love art, which I know we've been talking about with stuff with me and Harp and just all the books I've had and even, you know, Devil City. And I think maybe that's the RPG side of it. I'd use a lot of art when I'm writing in general anyway, um, storyboards and whatnot to just kind of help me see what I'm describing. And John really loved the idea of art and having it. And so that's where we went and we just started. So in Blood and Brimstone, we have six pieces, um, one of which is kind of a reuse of the cover, but that cover's so good I could not reuse it. Wait, what? Yeah. What pieces? Pieces of art. Yeah, but what art? I'll show it. I've shown it to you. Stefan's pieces. We'll go grab a point. Um, Where are they? Where's the copy? What? There's a copy in the living room on the banquet table, if you want to grab one. Um... And so we were looking through it, and we were kind of got lucky that Stefan Coitel is the one who does all the art for it. And, you know, Stefan already had these pieces, so he let me use them um, and just for the book, which is fantastic. Something I tell any any RPG person, if you can find existing art that works, um, it's much cheaper than commissioning. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it works fine. You know, John made a few adjustments. John picked out all the art with me, and, you know, I really... What are you talking I about? I think... Oh, I'll show you later, sweetie. Is it a book? Uh, yes, it's a book with the orange cover and the demon on the front. Okay. Um, and sorry. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't send their nine-year-old outside it? What, which orange book with the demon? Well, don't grab the orange book with the demon on the cover, sweetie. You know where it is. Thank God this is a horror podcast, so uh, um, people are going to be cool with that, I think. Yeah. Hey, she found it. Yeah, of course she did. We got copies. That's audio, audio listeners, uh, Matt is holding up a book that... Uh, Harper just gave him, and Matt's flailing his arms around, saying, "Rah! It's possessing <laughs> uh, I don't think me." That's, the demon. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. It, it was fun, and John, you know, kind of adjusted a little bit because he used the art too to help him um, with some of the yep. scenes. Um, with it said John of Detaf, and that's who wrote it. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, so it was a great process. We had a lot of fun doing it. The Kickstarter starts on September fifteenth. We're going to keep it kind of simple this time. Um, obviously there'll be an ebook option. Um, you can get a soft cover or a hard cover. Um, I know it is. It's super Look, cool. It's like it's, a house, but it's got a laser shooting out of it. And, um, the soft covers and hard covers also, I'll be printing them and shipping them out, um, for us backers only. But for those us backers, um, John's going to sign them too. I'm going to ship him all the books, make him sign them all. And then I'm going to drive to his house and pick Ooh, them up. That's cool. it's like a um, I couldn't talk him into mailing them for me, but <laughs> the other thing we're doing, which I think is really interesting, and I was kind of talking online to a couple people that I, I didn't realize were over in Europe. Um, was it uh, Janine, I think, and then Kendall is, I know, or Gavin. Um, with the Kickstarter, we also have an option. I have an overseas printer that are all over the world. So what you do is you spend, and it's I think it's a $15 um, code, and what you do for the $15, you get the ebook, but you also get two codes. One lets you print a soft cover and one lets you print a hard cover at cost. Oh, wow. So you get two, co- you can get one or two copies, whatever you want. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Um, but again, you only pay the cost of the printing. And since they're international, the shipping's cheap. I actually shipped one to, um, Kindle reviews. I shipped Gavin one and it was cheaper for me to send it to Gavin in England than it was for me to send it to John, who is a couple hundred miles from my house. Look at this. So it's very, very nice. I sipped them to Australia. Oh, the free hugs. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's the best. That's like that's, my favorite. That is a really That's good a killer thing. part. It's a killer piece of art as well. Yeah, she loves it. Yeah, Stefan Quiddle did them. He's 
he's so good. And of course, Francois uh, Thalencourt did the cover. I've worked with Francois before and I hope to again and again and again because he's such a fantastic uh, and professional artist. He's so good. There's yeah, a, there's... I know that uh, Todd Keeslin talked very highly about, Van, um, about him as well, Francois. You know, Todd's... Uh, yeah, I love that book. I don't know. There's, I could talk about Todd and Todd's books too forever. There's a Ferris wheel, but people are he- are hung on it. Like there's like dead people hung on it. <laughs> Very uplifting. Very yeah, uplifting. It is. It is. Brendan and I should do a recording there. I, I will tell you what. One thing I really enjoyed about it, you know, having been that person who waited for every single installment of the Fearing to come out last year, you know, starting in like June or whenever it was. Um, is I like how, you know, as a, as somebody who read the whole first four, um, you could jump right in and appreciate the backstories, but at the same time, somebody who hadn't come across those yet, um, he, he approached it in a way where you could pick right up and you weren't lost. Uh, you got to kind of explore what was causing all these problems just from a different viewpoint. So realistically, you could read Blood and Brimstone without having read the other ones. Of course, it's going to be, you know, it's the complete picture with all of them, but you do have that ability to just pick up this one. I think that would be a fun way to see it, too, because I know John really wanted to make sure that it did stand on its own. You know, and it's it's 94, 110. I don't know. I can't remember how many pages it is. I think it's 110 pages, 112. Um, But chronologically again i know we always say it kind of takes place or at least i always say it takes place between two and three it actually takes place it starts the same mm-hmm. hey i mean actually it starts in the first chapter of the first book mm. because that's when everything happens so you could certainly read blood and brimstone um first and then read the four again so it's really nice that you could do it kind of in any way you want um and have a slightly different i think a, a different experience with each one that's Absolutely. pretty cool yeah, the other thing is, you know, going into it, because, you know, it, it, Taft puts so much thought into these. There's he, He's got that whole, like, you know, uh, Jungian metaphysical thing going on that is just so much smarter than I can wrap my head around. But at the same <laughs> time, you can also appreciate the, all the books from such a, wow, look at that cool thing that just happened point of view. And, you know, not that I thought he was going to do this, but the worry in the back of my head was, oh, no, I hope we're not getting the deleted scenes here. Um, but, boy, yeah. you're not. There are, there are, you know, some of the things that uh, some of the fears that you encounter in Blood and Brimstone are the worst of the worst, you know, <laughs> way more, you know, <laughs> atrocious. And, um, and especially like the, the ending. I Oh, my gosh. You know, yeah. over the top, but in the absolute best way um i i I really enjoyed that (laughs) that's funny yeah so the fearing that john the first four john had to cut those down that that 400 pages or whatever that whole the four of them are together actually he cut them down a lot with tony at gray matter uh to get them to what they are and they did a great job but yeah no this was written from scratch about six weeks ish i think um i think it was percolating in his head for a few months once him and I talked about it. Um, and it was fun for me. You know, I read it as chapters came, you know, I get, I'd get a chapter and a week later, I'd get another chapter and a week later, I'd get another one. Um, and it was really, really neat. And I feel like it's definitely an evolution of, of that whole universe. And like you said, I mean, that's kind of stuff that we're going to do eventually be kind of 
delving into with the um, the game portion of it is the archetypes and how archetypes are um, manifested. Honey, if you want to go to bed, no, you can. I want to go. Pepper. I'm jumping on the. I know you are, sweetie. Can you sit down, please? Um, <laughs> she's a little bit slap happy, obviously. For audio uh, listeners for only, Harper. It, my dog yep. has decided to get off the chair and start bouncing on my bed. Um, <laughs> so, actually, oh wait, we're in Matt's room. <laughs> yeah, we're in my room. Um, that's where my desk is. Um, so, uh, yeah, thanks, Harp. I totally lost my train of thought now. Um, <laughs> oh, but the game. So yeah, the game. We're gonna actually look at the avatars. I really think that's an incredibly interesting um, aspect to the book, and it's something that drew me to it again from a world building perspective. And there's also even the fearing itself and the metaphysics of the fear, you know, that, that balance and what happens when it just gets completely skewed. And, and, and again, how the archetypes kind of do that. So that's going to be the fun part because I'm going to get to write at least a fair amount of that. Um, and then hopefully John will bless it. Um, but that's what we're going to do for the game, or at least that's the, the game portion of it, which will come out with the next, uh, my next Kickstarter after this one. Nice. And and there's so much to explore there, you know, there we is. talked about, you know, even adding to the mythos after that. And if and if John were able to join us tonight, he'd be yelling maps, maps, maps right now. Um, he wants maps. That's how I teased him <laughs> into it. I kept showing him the map of the uh, murder castle. He loved those yeah. maps. So I've got to I've got to figure out how to get him a map. You know, he's a brilliant madman, though, because if he had put this, if he had put the fearing out as a 500 page book, last june uh it, it would have been great you know uh speaking for myself i'd have done a write-up on it and then i and, and even if i enjoyed it i would have moved on to the next thing but i have spent so much time in the last year writing articles on different you know um on the different releases and then the the sum up of the whole thing and then the uh blood and brimstone i've been writing about this book for a year trying to sell people on it um and, and that doesn't happen if you put the whole thing out at once I really love the idea of the novella as a series. You know, yes. I think we were talking to, or who was I talking to? Um, Michael Clark, I think, who's talking about, he wrote his trilogy. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, Mike Clark. Shout out to and, Mike Clark. What's up, dude? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and <laughs> and I show. like the idea of a trilogy. Um, I'm not sure that I have the stamina to write 300,000 words. My RPG books tend to be about 100,000 words each, and I've got a lot of them on the shelf that I'm always kind of working on. So the novella size for me, I love it. Um, and I really think that a novella size is so digestible for a reader and most stories you can get in and then 120 pages, or at least you can get it to the point where there's a natural ending cliffhanger or whatever. And then you just go to the next one. You know, I, I was talking to her, I can't remember if I was talking to Sadie or tweeting somebody about my days of reading super long novels are, are limited. Um, I just don't have that attention span. But then again, I did read Devil's Creek and Mexican Gothic back to back without slowing down because again, I found a couple great huge books. Um, but again, I don't know. I love the idea of the serializing, especially the way he did it. Him and Tony did a fantastic job of keeping it out there and keeping, um, keeping the buzz going just long enough yeah. uh, to keep going. I think the only thing that kind of I feel I, I I wonder if it kind of hurt him a little bit with some of those the stokers though because nobody knew what to do like I did and I I'm a voting member and I was not quite sure what to do like obviously voted for it we put it in there but I'm like well is it a novel is it four novellas where do we where do we do this um, yeah 
But I loved it. I thought it was a great idea. I could see that, but yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't have the experience, but I almost feel like it would be more beneficial to have it continually in the, uh, in the public's eye over winning. Well, yeah, I, I certainly would like to win the award, but you know, having it nominated just had to have people talking about it for nearly six months straight. Um, and, and good for him too, that now he gets to see the omnibus, um, edition put out by gray matter. I'll definitely be excited to get a, a signed copy of that. And yeah. make sure John gives me a signed copy of that. <laughs> I thought that uh, Tony right. wasn't going to do that because he was just done with the fairing. I can't believe he agreed to it. For for all we know, John just announced it without his <laughs> without Tony say so, and now he's backed into a corner. And since well, Tony's missed... getting a little extra push here too with ours, so hopefully that'll yeah, help them and get them um, make that a successful project for him. I really hope so. I'm just really excited for how much John's work especially i mean my god was that today that he printed he told us like the 18 million books he's working on you know like yeah. some big stuff with tour and um and all oh, over the place fire, yep. very very cool stuff i'm very very happy to see it um but yeah the, so the kickstarter is on the 15th we're doing it for 22 days you know and, and and i know a lot of folks haven't done kickstarters before um and also print on demand is a little bit is a little bit scary for some folks for the folks that are getting or wanting or curious about print on demand the quality is fantastic. Um, it is how I print my RPG books. Um, and I have had them hand side by side with my printer, who is, is very good, which you guys, um, will be seeing soon. Um, and some, there's a couple copies out there. Um, and you know, it's hard to tell the difference. I mean, print on demand nowadays is actually excellent. And the people that do it for me are doing it for huge RPG companies and I mean, chaos and other, other smaller publishers actually too. Um, so again, we're doing that so you have an easy shipping thing. Um, and the best part about the Kickstarter is the book's done. Completely done. The only <laughs> thing I keep telling John is like, well, I just need to know how many to order and put my credit card <laughs> in there. So with a Kickstarter, I know I hate this is one, first off, you always have to wonder, am I going to actually get my stuff? You know, I know you guys know me, a fair amount of people in the community know me now. And then in the RPG community too, this is not my first Kickstarter. It's my fourth or fifth. Um, I've never been late despite the things that have been going on in my life, even with, you know, Harper and I going through all the stuff that we've gone through. Um, I still get my Kickstarters done on time and my books done on time. Devil City was out on time. And this one, when the funds clear, I will actually, I'll push, I'll push order before the funds clear and I'll send you your book when your funds clear, um, <laughs> which will be about three weeks after. So again, it's going to be really nice that the Kickstarter is going to be done, um, in October, the first week of October, and then I'm going to get the books out. So the PDFs and the eBooks will be out before Halloween. The physical books probably won't be just because that's how long the bank takes. I mean, and I, I wish I could make it faster in the printer, but you will absolutely have them for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Hmm. So I'm hoping to have them book postmarked by Christmas, by uh, Halloween. So again, you don't have to wait long, which is great. I think that's going to be, I think that's really the way to go. And I think another few, other smaller people are doing that when they can. Okay. So that's pretty awesome. So Matt, this might be a fairly straightforward answer, but how do you go about narrowing down and deciding um, who you'd like to work with within the horror community? Yeah. So that's a good question. Um, so I've done it kind of weird. I've actually always, I just ask. I actually have reached out directly to people. I kind of, I was going to do submission or do pitches and I kind of sort of did it. And 
backed off because it was right in the middle of really the craziestness, the most crazy stuff with the pandemic and with a lot of the protests and stuff going on. And so I just pulled out immediately. But what I typically do is I actually I I want to work with people whose one books I like and whose stories I like. So it's somebody who I read and I am a fan of. That is a very, very important thing to me. And then the next one is to want to work with someone that I if I can, I have some sort of relationship, you know, and by that, I mean, like, you know, a friendly Twittering and tweeting or whatever it is, you know, on social media or something like that. Just nice, pleasant interactions with them. Um, when I reach out to folks, especially like Sarah, Sarah did not know me. Um, I am polite. I am brief. And I just say, you know, money, you know, I give them a little bit of info about me and I leave them alone in case they don't want to. So I think that's it's kind of funny to me that folks forget to be, you know, polite and professional and courteous online and in DMs and in emails and all that stuff. Um, you know, I kind of joke about it sometimes. There is, I mean, I use my name, my full name for everything. It is not hard to find me. Um, I'm in LinkedIn, even my real job and all that stuff. So again, if I, I've always used my real name and I've always done that because I want to, I treat the people on Twitter and everywhere else like the people I work with at my day job. Um, and that's how I do it. So, you know, I've reached out with Sarah, built a relationship there and with John that helped a lot. And, you know, other folks that I've worked with or I'm going to be working with are, you know, Jess Landry, uh, Gemma Amore and Laurel. Um, and then we just added S.H. Cooper as well for another book that we're going to do a mosaic novel next year. Uh, the four of them are, and then I'm going to do a little bit of the connective tissue to link, kind of link it together. And it'll be about a prison. It's going to be called Your Own Time. And it's a prison set in the South in the early 1900s. Um, and they each get a novella. So they each have their own story to do. Um, and then I'll kind of do, again, I'll kind of do the background narrative narration of the warden that stuck there for the entire process. Yeah. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought of another horror show that I like. Okay. What is your last horror story that you like? Show. It's a murder mystery. Awesome. Classic Riverdale. Oh my gosh. Riverdale. I like Riverdale too, actually. <laughs> Riverdale and I Sabrina. I've never seen an episode, honestly. <laughs> I haven't either. Uh, Sabrina. I love it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really what I look for in somebody that's, you know, somebody that's professional, that's courteous, um, gets their work done, works to spec, all that fun stuff. Um, and it's been interesting lately to do my best to try to talk to and to try to reach out to folks that have different voices than my own. Um, you know, I've actually worked, you know, obviously Sarah is a woman, um, you know, John's another old white guy like I am, but you know, it was really important to me again, you know, I've talked to V Castro. I'm going to try to get something for her with her mm. at some point and a couple other folks too. Um, but there's just so many fantastic authors out there that nobody talks to, nobody really knows about. I finally got my dad reading indie horror. Um, and he's so, he gets so thrilled when he sees like Todd, you know, he read Devil's Creek and he wrote a review and Todd like immediately liked it and tweeted about it and did something on Facebook. And my dad got a huge kick out of it because, you know, Todd liked his review and, you know, Kevin Lucia was the same way. Um, but anyway, yeah, there's just so many, so many great people out there, um, that, you know, I'm going to work with people I like that I work well with that work well with me and support, you know, support people like that as much as I can. Um, very, I'm very picky. Um, give everybody a chance once. And again, I've been a boss for 25 years in my real job. So 
I mean, we can all be professional, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, and we move forward. I'm sure there's 20 other people waiting in line that probably need a shot, too. That's a great goddamn message. That should be – sorry to interrupt your train of thought. I just <laughs> the, w- Without pointing to one specific example, um, like there's uh, – we are a small, knit, tight-knit community. There's some shitty people in it, but the thing is to always remember – you just said it. There's like 20 other great people. Like I can name on the top. I'm not gonna because if I miss someone, there's like there's like 20 amazing publishers or authors. Like you just listed V. Castro, S. H. Cooper, Laurel Hightower, Gemma uh, Moore. Um, those are all people that me and Brennan personally like. They're all beautiful people and amazing authors. Um, they're all people on the, that we have had or will have on the show. Uh, I like your attitude too, um, that you give someone a shot once because, and I'll end my tangent after this in my 31 years of life, I've noticed that if someone to nine of 10 times, if they do something pretty shitty, they're just saying without saying it, this is me. Don't expect anything less. <laughs> that tenth time, you might be surprised, but I'm going on a limb to say usually it's ten out of ten. But there's that one exception. Well, I, a couple of people asked me along that kind of along those lines is how did I get my first RPG pro RPG gig? My first pro RPG gig is a 300 page hardback Kickstarter that made 105 thousand dollars. Whoa! Out of nowhere, and I, that wasn't for me. I wrote it for and worked on it for someone else, who's a very, very well, like you know, very well-known RPG publisher in the D and D world, Cobalt Press. And the way I got it was, I answered. I mean, honestly, I answered my emails. I responded to my contract request immediately. I wrote to spec. I communicated. I was a, just basically a professional, and I worked. Um, and I think that's, that's like you said, I think you make a good first impression and you might be surprised at where it will take you from, you know, cause now I have pretty much work with the two top two non wizards of the coast D and D professional or publishers whenever I went as I need or as I want to. And again, it's because there's a lot of people out there and somebody will give you a shot, um, but make the best of it, make the most of it. Yeah. And I think that's why you're starting to get your name. Uh, out there. I mean, like, look, we've all three of us have talked for, it's, I think, a year now, and uh, it's been a pleasurable experience. Uh, we've, I mean, you and Sarah's project was pretty interesting, and I, um, I don't know, you guys seem to have good feedback on it, and you both are super nice people. And I mean, the way that Brennan and I are getting guests, too many to even have on this year alone is not because we're rude to anyone. We're just, you know, <laughs> for anyone listening to this, if you have to learn a lesson, just be nice. <laughs> Some people well, need that lesson. I know. In their head. Hey, Piper did the funniest thing today and I don't cuss online very often. I cuss in real life, but not online too much. And it was basically, it was don't be shitty was her hashtag. And I'm like, that's the best hashtag ever. She's that's awesome to do. There yeah. are some great, you if somebody does something distasteful or, you know, whatever it is, there there are 50 people that have a fantastic book or whatever. You know, again, there there are options out there that don't include that person. Yeah. Pretty easy, usually. Yes, ma'am. What? 
You said something about a gift store. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. But that was, yes. But when you said $105, I got confused. Jesus, so tired. <laughs> no, no, wait. No, we have um, to fact check this. Was it, in fact, $105? I believe it was $100. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Wolf King would have kicked the brick if that kicked her to $100. That yeah. They're not unpublished. <laughs> Matt, I'm, I'm boiling down what you said, you know, to uh, and oversimplifying it. But, you know, what I took away from it was do your job and treat everybody with respect, you know. Um, and, and I think that's not just for getting on your first RPG book. I really think that's a good motto for pretty much every aspect of life. You know, do do what you need to do and treat everybody around you with respect. And people will call again. People will want to work with you again. And, and honestly, like, that's the way I'm going to get people to work with me. Because, you know, I'll be honest. I mean, I gave... I pay pro rates, I pay advances and such for professional writers, and my RPG rates are consistent with pro in that area. Um, but nobody's going to be getting even a four a four figure check from a book that I'm. Well, hopefully John will. But you know, like you know, uh, it, we're not making tons of money. However, maybe I can do something interesting enough and be easy enough to work with that you know. Maybe, you know, when Laird Barron or even when Brian King or somebody else like, you know, what, I wouldn't mind kind of dipping my toes into an RPG game or into an illustrated novella or into something different. That's easy. You know, yeah. I know I can just call him and in 10 minutes I'll have I'll have an email back probably. And in two weeks we, we will be moving, you know, and that sort of thing. You know, like like Sarah and I's book, actually the book itself, Devil City. We wrote that together. We went back and forth. I did a chapter. She did a chapter. And then I did the diary entries. And then we both split the final chapter. And um, we wrote that entire book in five weeks, maybe. And I think that included editing, which we probably could have done another editing pass. But um, we went fast. But again, I think that's what it is, is John and I were talking about is like, you know what? You just have to be somebody that people want to work with, too, because I think it does. It does work both ways. You know, publishers very, very fast get a bad name. You don't get to, you know, again, you're from the publisher side. You know, if you're working with 10 authors, you have to teach those 10 people right. And you really need to and you really should anyway. If you're an author, you can, you know, and you kind of mess around or mess up with one one publisher. You could probably go to the next one because the publishers don't talk, which I wish they did. Um, but that's a totally that's another show, right? I don't and know. I think I've the heard, people that you sorry, heard, go ahead, Pat. I've heard otherwise. Like I know Joe <laughs> Meinhart. No, I'm being serious. Like Joe Meinhart is part of this. Uh, I don't. I forget what he calls it. But there's a hundred publishers that are in this thing where, like, uh, when a recent publisher uh, dropped out of uh, the game for a little while, they picked up some authors that needed a home for their books. Um, I guess it depends on what publisher we're talking about, though. For, like, who talks to who. Right. And I was just going to add in that, you know, some of the people that you've worked with, never mind the people that you are on board to work with in the future, uh, with Sarah and with John, like, they're very respected in the community. And if they had a good professional experience, which it absolutely sounds like they did from listening to both of them talk about what it was like to uh, write a book with Saturday morning scenarios, um, then other people are going to pick up on that. And and that becomes a whole lot easier on on your behalf to 
bring in someone else, bring in kind of a um, uh, wish list author, I guess, to to uh, in on a project. I was this close to getting Alma and SP. <laughs> I just Ooh, couldn't get wow. the timing to work. Like they both, like I sent them the a pit. I so yeah, I'm the publisher that pitches to the authors. I do it backwards, <laughs> and they both really like the um, idea of your own time, the prison. Um, it didn't work for either one of them because they were both so tied up with so many different things. But it's really neat to see again to tangent a little bit how accessible a lot of the authors are. Um, it, it's it's really really neat actually, and it's kind of fun. Um, to be in something in a community that's that, that tight knit in most cases. I'm always amazed with the people like Alma or like, um, like Paul Tremblay, Josh <laughs> Mallerman, how you can get them to reply to you. It's like, you're busy. You've got a lot of irons in the fire and you're, you know, you're, you're a big deal. Like, what are you, what are you doing replying to me? I'm not. <laughs> hey, I was totally stoked when, uh, Paul responded to, I think it was head full of ghosts. My review, like a very easy, not much tweet, like tweet about it. Um, and it totally made my day. Like you said, it, it, it is really, really neat. Yep. Absolutely. Um, just so you know, Matt, this episode will come out the first Monday of September. That is September 7th. Okay. I'll be, uh, eight days before the Kickstarter starts, right? Uh, September 15th, you said starts? Yes. Okay. Yes, but one plus eight is not 15, Patrick. For my birthday. <laughs> Wait, no, it's eight days. You said September 1st, didn't you? No, I said the first. Oh, okay. All right. Ah! <laughs> Too many numbers, man. What are you doing? <laughs> I know. So, uh, Matt, is there, before we go to our final question, is there anything that you or Miss Harper want to uh, mention? I think she's good. Don't you think so, sweetie? I think you do. Yeah, she's <laughs> so stupid. No, I want to play on my computer. That's not happening. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, I just, you know, I really hope that folks enjoy the book. Um, I hope they find the Kickstarter. I think that's probably the hardest challenge I have with anything is getting eyes on projects. You know, I've been very fortunate with the books that I've done, you know, fiction, RPG, whatnot, to typically... Um, be very well received by the folks that get to them. But, you know, I was talking to somebody else the other day and we're literally talking like a couple hundred books for me is a successful book. Mm -hmm. Whereas a bigger publisher throws that many at reviewers, actually probably throws 10 times that at reviewers, you know, and I like, it's, it's a big deal. And I think that's the thing too, is how small we are is that every single fan counts, every single eye counts. So, you know what, retweeting and social media, all that stuff makes actually a big deal. Um, and I really do appreciate it every single time somebody retweets something. I mean, that's, I mean, we had that crazy, her book went viral and had about 600,000 views. Um, wow. With like a hot, with a crazy thing, it was like 150,000 impressions. So like one in four person actually like clicked on it, like looked at the tweet itself and actually did stuff. Didn't uh, just scroll by, yeah. And you know what? Honestly, I spent the entire day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I like, I typed it out as much as I could. I'm like, it, it's a big deal to us and copy we do really paste. appreciate it. Oh, I didn't copy and paste, baby. Every time. Typos all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like the copy and paste method. So I think that's it for me, though. But thank you. Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. Um, 
So our last question usually is because it, it's led to some weird and interesting answers. Uh, particularly my favorite answer with Mark Steensland when we ask uh, what you're reading because his just super bullet point quick is uh, he basically broke down how that goes parallel with his writing process, which we never saw coming. So yeah, I'd like to ask what you're reading. So that's an interesting idea. I'll have to remember to come back to that. Because actually, so when I'm reading, I read it. I read every night for usually about two hours because I don't watch a whole lot of TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to read, but there's never, but I'm yeah, so right. picky with books. Um, <laughs> so what I've recently just, I'm just, I'm pulling up my Goodreads because I have to keep it up. So I just finished The Haunted by Daniel Vega, which was the YA Haunted House book. Super good. I just finished uh, Laurel's Crossroads, which was super good. Um, I tend to have like a dozen books going on my Kindle or on my iPad all the time. And right now, again, I have to grab it. Like I'm reading, I just started Wonderland with, um, from Zoe Sage stage, which it's got a little bit of a shining vibe, um, so far. And I'm kind of interested to see how that one goes, but, um, Wilder Girls, it's kind of a Lord of the Rings thing, but with a, a girl's school on an island. Oh. Um, Dust, Chris Miller, the Spider Punk Westerns. I started it with the third one because that one actually sounded the most interesting to me. Because mm. um, it's, I think there's, I know there's two before. I feel like there might be one or two after. Um, the Good House by Ten of Review Do. Yep. It's an incredible haunted house one again. Um, the Boatman's Daughter. Again, I'm, I'm reading so much. I, I go, I don't know. It depends on my mood what I read. Yeah, you, you don't mess around. <laughs> no, I don't. Bowman's daughter super good too. I really like that one. Um, Andy Davidson, fun vibe. Um, I just got Mallory. Um, okay. And I haven't started it because it's an audiobook. Yep. And I'm trying to finish Wilder Girls first. <laughs> and I'm not running this week because I hurt my ankle. Because that's also when I do my books is on my run, so I can get an hour or two or three or whatever um, while reading. So that's everything. And it's kind of interesting though. You said that somebody uses our books to read because when I'm reading I actually use my phone either my phone is next to me or my my iPad I text myself notes to remind me to write something later you know like I did like agony polyps was one of my <laughs> just popped in my head window pane with pain like spelled out like p-a-n-i-n-e or p-a-i-n um, but I will text myself little notes of things that pop into my head while I'm reading all the time. Um, mm. I should do it while I'm running because some stuff comes in then too, but I don't want to stop because if I stop running, I will never start again. I'll just walk the rest of the way. <laughs> That's now. what happened to me like 20 years ago. I don't. Yep. I don't like online books. Uh, I can never I know you don't like online. e-books. I I'm probably going to, if I find a good one, I might be able to read it, but like. I hope so. We'll get you there. Nope. I don't like it. I like, I like the real deal. <laughs> she loves paper. <laughs> I'm kind of with her on that. The shelf space that it saves, though. <laughs> so yeah, and I, I love Kindle Unlimited too. I just threw uh, the Double City on it. Um, I love Kindle Unlimited because I can find everybody. You know, all, I mean, there is so many fantastic books on Kindle Unlimited. Horror books. I mean, if you, I don't know what else is on there because I don't read anything else on there, but um, it's just such a great resource for anybody that wants to it. I mean, in it, it you, every page turn gives a, an author like a half a penny or something like that. So I mean, yeah. if you ever find a book, at least flip through a couple extra pages before you give up. 
I, I hear I, I won't you know pretend to be an expert on the business side of it, but uh, I, I do hear that indie publishers, it, it's been the Kindle Unlimited is definitely beneficial for them to have their books on there. And and my books have pictures, so make sure you always switch all the way to the end. Flip through all 110 pages, even if you don't read it, to make sure you see all the pictures. That'll give me like all a dime. All the pictures. That'll give me like a dime. Maybe a quarter. <laughs> Harper, what are you reading right now? What are you reading? Not really anything. Nothing? I read another DC graphic novel. Which like, one? it was like a, it's a DC series where it's basically them as kids and they go to like a s- elementary school. And, um, I read one of those at mom's house, but, uh, I so, feel like I bought you something recently. No, you, no. I started reading a Dork Diaries, but uh, I've never been right, able to finish those. Yep. I gotta get her on those goosebumps, but I'm not sure if I can no. talk her into it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just try one. Just try one. No. <laughs> What about you, Brennan? What are you reading? Um, I just finished Mallory a few days ago. You want to know how it ends? You want me to tell you? Oh, yeah, please. <laughs> um, I also just finished uh, The Milan Witch by Catherine Cavendish, which comes out through Silver Shamrock. Uh, tomorrow, as we're recording this, it will already be out by the time it airs. And I, I, I really liked that one a lot. It was, it was very creepy. Um, and I don't read a lot of witch-related fiction, and I kind of want to fix that now. Um, and I'm also in the middle of um, Pivot by L.C. Barlow, and I don't quite know how to describe that one. It's, um, I, I had this author contact me and ask if I was interested in reading and reviewing, and the um, front cover had a blurb by Josh Mallerman. So I was definitely interested in that. Um, and it's, it was kind of one of those ones where the cover intrigued me and I didn't want to read the back cover before diving in. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because it, it just, it, it unfolds. It's very, very interesting. I'm about almost 50% of the way through that one. So, you know, future episode, I'll let you know how that goes. How about you, Pat? Um, well, I'm just trying to focus on one book right now. It's Paul Michael Anderson's the uh, upcoming book called Standalone. It's a novella through Perpetual Motion Machine, and it's a weird but very cool take on the slasher sh- subgenre. Um, it's totally different. I mean, don't take my word for how good it is. Stephen Graham Jones <laughs> wrote enough about how he liked it, so take that guy's word for it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, besides that, I mean, uh, I'm tr- I'm gonna go back to finish a few other books that I've already talked about, but we'll not discuss here. That that'll just prove further that I'm a slow, slow reader. <laughs> it's true. If people are listening to episodes like one in August, one of September, and you're still reading the same thing, it's a bad look. Actually, the the, the last one I'll throw out is I just finished um, Night of the Mannequins by Stephen Graham Jones, and that was a really, really cool one. Um, I'm embarrassed to admit that I'm like the only person in the universe who just didn't connect with the only good Indians. Everybody else absolutely loved that book, and it just I, it didn't work for me for whatever reason. This one was really cool, though, um, and you, you just kind of have to trust the author and the, the, the author's big name and read it, because I can't really give you much of a synopsis on it. <laughs> 
I haven't that, written anything, but I have just finished the book. But I finished like, but like last week I was with Dad. Um, we were watching this awesome movie. It's called Oko's um, In, and it's a Studio Ghibli movie. Which one was it? <laughs> Oko's In. It's about this girl who her oh, parents Studio die Ghibli. when she's yeah. young, and so um, basically they got into a car crash when she was young, and her parents died. What? No, you're good. Just. Okay, whatever. And then, and then, like, basically she has a bond with the spirit world, and she, and she starts the school, um, and she starts living with her grandma, and then goes to school. And she starts seeing this, like, little ghost of a, her grandma's childhood friend that she didn't know died. And basically, she started working as a junior innkeeper, keep, junior innkeeper of her grandma's inn, because, um, the ghost convinced her to. But then there was this, like, bully at school, and she that's when she started seeing a different ghost, which was this little blonde girl, and it ended up being the bully's big sister, but she had died before she was born. And then, like, and then she owned the other inn, and it's basically about them, like, kind of coming over how they're, like, not nice to each other, and then they start being, like, friends at the end. Very cool. And Harper like, did not write her own uh, back cover copy for Harper's Tale, did she? No. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it was. I think I did. I'm sure I did. Where can people follow you, Matt? I am on Twitter all the time. Um, at Matthew D. Corley. That's the easiest way to find me um, for everything, actually. I've got a Facebook page that's very neglected. Um, I have a web page that I'm probably changing the address to soon, so... <laughs> Yeah, just go to Twitter, Matthew D. Corley. Um, I'm always there. Happy, and the to, kicks- happy to hear from folks. Sure. And the Kickstarter will be on the episode notes. Um, thank you, Miss Harper, for joining us. We are really happy we got to talk about your book. And, Matt, thank you for uh, talking about all the projects you're going to be working on. It's very exciting. Thank you. We appreciate it. And, Brennan, as always, you've been a phenomenal co-host, sir. I know. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you all have a good day. Anyone listening in the morning, have a good morning or night. We are in your mind. We are all around. You are now leaving Deadhead Space. Welcome to Deadhead Space. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough. You can find us on iTunes. I messed that up. Sorry, guys. I, my notes are all screwy. I, you know, I'm sorry. I should have done it. <laughs> Go ahead, dude.